Welcome to episode five of RNF Unlocked, the podcast designed to give you an insight behind the scenes of the crypto data RNF MotoGP team. We're back with the second leg of the triple header here at the challenge in Saxon Ring Circuit. We've got cloudy weather, a bit of sun, and a thrilling weekend ahead. My name is Neil Morrison. I'll be your host today, along with David Emmett. And I'm really, really excited to say that today we've been joined by two crew chiefs of the team. Uh, first of all, we've got Giovanni Matarolo, Miguel Oliveira's crew chief. Hello, Giovanni. Hello. Hello. And we also have Noe Herrera, uh, crew chief to Raul Fernandez. Hello, Noe. Hello, hello. Welcome, guys. It's great to do a little something different here with the podcast this weekend. Um, obviously, we've had back-to-back -back races. Um, I want to ask you first, we see riders between races when it's a back-to-back -back format, they're able to relax a little bit, do a little bit of training. But as crew chiefs, what do you do when you have two races so close together, Giovanni? Are you able to relax at all, or we is sleep it a lot? <laughs> no, I'm <laughs> we yeah, we find a way just to relax a bit the mind, not the body, but for the body, for us, it's not a problem. It's more a rider thing, the the the, the manage of the body. Yeah, personally, I try to find a way to relax a bit, to spend some time with my daughter. But also, it's important to, we have only a few days to prepare the, the race. Means that you, you can relax, but not a lot. Just to be focused on, on your target or what you have to prepare and, and do for, uh, for the next race. Sure that uh, considering, considering then, between Le Mans and Mugello, we had the three, three weeks of uh, stopping. And this was, uh, that was the time to say, okay, then we, I have three races in a row. Maybe it's better to use this time just to start to think about not only Bugello, but also the other two. This permits to find some time to relax between one and the other. So really recharge for, recharging those three weeks for the three weeks that you've exactly. coming. Exactly. <clears throat> similar thing for you, Noe? Well, yes. Uh, it's like you said, no? we have this uh, small break of three weeks that we could prepare at least in advance a little bit of the, these three in a row GPs. Um, but yes, back-to-back -back races, uh, obviously we look for some relaxing time at home, uh, which I use, for example, I take my computer in the middle of the garden. <laughs> if it's sunny, I take my drink, I'm preparing the GP like this, but you are not, you never get fully, fully You think it takes more sun than me. Yeah, yeah because he's in Noale. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, yeah, obviously, obviously, it helps a lot, as he said, that um, um, especially the, the mind, just to, to refresh, to relax the mind is more demanding for, for us for this. It's easy to, to stop thinking about races because I know you're, uh, there's always, I mean, all of the crew chiefs, engineers I talk to, they're always thinking about, what if I try this? What if, and maybe under the shower or whatever, you'll have this ingenious idea or whatever. Is it, can you sometimes just swish up and, and think about something completely different? For me, impossible. <laughs> it's really difficult. I do it, but uh, uh, it's only something uh, that, that happens only a few minutes, only a few moments during the, these two days of stopping. Yeah. Mean that you are doing something, you're playing with your daughter, you take the bike, you do something gardening or something mm -hmm. like that. But uh, you notice that you are playing with your daughter yeah. and you are thinking about what I, can I do on the bus? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Daddy, daddy, and see, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so a crew chief's mind is really like a racer's mind. But here. I think, yeah, it's not only crew chief, I think it's generally to all the guys that has passion for this job. You think, you think you, you receive messages from the colleagues, uh, from 
also me and you, me and Noe, uh, text about the gearbox, what yeah. we do, what has been... At any time. Uh, yeah. We have not uh, one on scale. We, we, at any time we are in touch, uh, but always, all the time, following racing. And you, it's like you said, no, you are with uh, you, he in his case, daughter, my, is my son, no? I play with my son and always if I try that, maybe it helps somehow. Or also the tires. As an animal, just to ask. Yeah, yeah. Hey, uh, Giovanni, what do you do? <laughs> oh, about tires, no? Also, it's important to understand. The other thing is, I mean, you are teammates. You're also rivals because the first person you have to beat is your is, is your teammate. Um, yeah, but who's the rider? For us, yeah. we work like uh, you're much more. Uh, I feel like we work closely. Aprilia. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, it's yeah. a team, and then the riders they beat themselves in the on the track, but yeah. in the box, I think. It's so no, you, you share fun. ideas. You will say, okay, we tried this, and I think it worked. And yeah, uh, yeah. From my point of view, there are no, there is no reason to don't to. I do something that I want to do or something that I think for me is I always I used always used to do like that also previous years with my uh, with the other crew chiefs I always share my ideas my opinion also when we speak about tire pressure or something like that for me there are no no secrets mm. Yeah. Finally, if he gets something new or something we can improve, <clears throat> it's also for us. So if he's fast, also will be helpful for us. So it's a team job, no? Yeah, well, yeah. It's always uh, sometimes you give it advice, and other times you receive the advice. Is yeah, absolutely, guys. Because it's the first time you're on this podcast, we have a lot of questions about you and about your careers. But before that. Just a little brief summary of, of 2023 so far. Obviously, starting with you, Giovanni, I mean, Miguel has had such great potential. We saw him running at the front in Portimao, yeah. at Jerez. He's been seriously unlucky. How, how difficult has that been for, for you? And, and, you know, knowing that the potential is there, but maybe the rider's physical condition is Yeah, it's, uh, you feel the frustration. I mean, you see from the data, from the, the, the rider, from what uh, you did during the winter test uh, and then the, the, the first race weekend, the potential that the rider is uh, constant uh, and uh, he has a solid behavior with the bike. And then you have uh, the first stop, then okay, you upset it, uh, can happen, harder races. Yes, was the first one, was not the best way to start. We will start again. In general, it's happened another time. You say, okay, this is not what we expect. And uh, yeah, it's difficult because uh, just with this new format, you have not a lot of time to, to test, to try something on the bike. And uh, with the less uh, and the, fr the most important session when the rider learns and uh, understands the bike better is the, the main race, the longer race. And uh, if we consider that in the first uh, six races, he did one and a half because he did uh, Austin and fortunately only half race in Mugello. Yeah. And this for sure doesn't help. Also because we lose the, the Jerez test due yes. to the, the crash of the race. And from now, to the end of the season, we have only one day of a test that is Misano. This for sure doesn't help. Fortunately, uh, Miguel is a really smart rider. And uh, the, the feeling that I have is that he's, he has a really clear idea of what is happening on the bike. And this permits to, to give to you, to me, a clear a feedback to which are the, the most important things to work on. Because if you listen to the rider, there is everything about the bike, but uh, it's important to focus to one or two things to, to manage, to try to improve and forget all the rest. And from this point of view, Miguel, is, uh, it helps a lot. 
Absolutely, yeah. No way, I guess we could say a similar thing about your season and with Raul. We saw in pre-season at Sepang, great potential, some really fast lap times, but one or two issues with physical condition, hmm. injuries have been, I guess, frustrating. We haven't seen the best of Raul yet. Yeah, honestly speaking, when we were doing the test, uh, everything was fine. He was step by step improving and standing the bike. But yeah, as soon as we arrived to the GPs with this new layout that is more demanding for them physically, I think it's that point then we saw the weak points of Raul, which is the body problems he had, especially in the arm. Uh, this was frustrating for him because since uh, Portimao, he, he crashed because of the arm. Argentina was wet, but uh, it was slightly easier for him. Uh, Austin was already suffering. And then when we were in Jerez, was the, the worst uh, GP for him, which was catastrophic. Well, not catastrophic, but really demanding on the, on the harm that we were spending too much, too much races just for one thing that is a physical problem we could uh, solve just operating like he did after, after the Jerez race. Um, and anyway, he didn't arrive fit for Le Mans. We missed that race. But at least we know that he is fully ready, so it's positive. Just uh, now, getting again on the speed and work on that. Uh, finally, these fine tunes that he need to do for adapting to this bike. Because finally, if you analyze a little bit his career, he not so many time ago he was on the Moto3, one one year in Moto2, one year in KTM, and again changed to Aprilia, which is quite different comparing to the KTM. So it's very very demanding for him, and I feel that he's <laughs> honestly a little bit stressed about that, no? And you pay on your body like happened in these few races ago. You have quite a long history with Raul, I think. You've been you've worked with him before, so you know you know him. The I I always find the the relationship between crew chief and rider so fascinating because you're uh, engineer, your mechanic, your, your psychologist, your friend, but also not friend, your boss, your also uh, uh, um, servant almost, you have to, it's such a difficult thing. How, how much better is it to be working with a rider that you know, that you, that you understand a little bit? Well, this makes everything easier and quicker. Just it's like when you have very good relationship with someone, just with uh, taking a look like this, you understand what is happening around, or just how to understand what is happening on the bike is easy. It's much easier. And uh, for example, we have been in 2021 together, and everything was really good. We enjoyed a lot of these moments, and this relationship we had. It was growing really fast and really, and this helped for us for an our understanding. It's, yeah. it's really helpful for that uh, the relationship. Yeah, yeah. And Giovanni, obviously this is your first year working with Miguel. Um, how long does it take normally to really understand the rider, to know exactly what they want on the bike? And I guess understanding their, their comments, their feedback, maybe takes a little bit of time as well. Yeah, for sure, especially on the beginning, uh, you have to know how he explain the things, which are his uh, most important things that he check on the bike, he needs on the bike, and how he explain the things and how he don't say the things. I mean, many times you have to ask to the rider why you are so serious, or you don't say, you have the feeling that he doesn't say everything you are, he is thinking, but you need to understand everything mm -hmm. from him. And especially just until now, 
but also now, sorry, but especially at the beginning, I used to make a lot of questions to the rider. I told him, I know that for you are a lot, but I need to understand you and what you need. And uh, this is uh, really important. But fortunately, I have to say that uh, I discover a guy that is not so different compared to me, speaking about the behavior. And uh, this helped me to understand when he's uh, keeping something for himself, but they need it just to say, what are you thinking now? Because you see the rider serious or something like that, and you push him. And now I can say that uh, weekend by weekend, I'm knowing him better and better. Uh, I cannot say I know him just like uh, he, we worked together since five years, but is uh, our relationship is growing uh, for me in the right way. When you're away from, away from the races, how much contact do you have with your riders? Are you texting them every hour or twice a week? Oh. <laughs> in my side, it's more than my wife, imagine. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, we are really, really in touch. Uh, maybe not now because we see us more often, but in the winter time, it's like uh, more than my wife. It's, it says everything. So it's texting, calling. What, what are you talking about? Are you talking about ideas for the bike, ideas about. Uh, but also just the life itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, I went out for a bike rides, did you see that, whatever? Yeah. Have you been watching yeah. the Giro, yeah. whatever? Yeah, this kind of thing, like friends. Yeah. You know, right. It's, it's this. Yeah, with Miguel, a bit less than you, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, uh, normally, yes, we have. Uh, I am not the one that uh, texts you thousands of messages every day, and also him, it's not like this. We have some messages during the days just to update him if there is something that we talk about uh, during the previous weekend or something like that, and then we have some calls just to share what we saw, what we talked and uh, about the, the the last race, and what we are thinking about the next race. Just to don't arrive to the race weekend. Okay, this is my, my ideas. Now oh, my are completely different. Now we shared before, mm. and then we talk about uh, just uh, as uh, Noah said, uh, we talk about our life. Yeah. For example, now Miguel is uh, changing the house uh, or is looking for something for the holidays. Uh, just just to don't speak only about job. Yeah. Yep. Just to be teammates. Absolutely. Guys, we'll maybe come back to your riders in a little bit, but I'd love to know just a bit more about, about yourselves and about your career, because obviously you're both working in the same team, but your route to the RNF Aprilia team has been, they're, they're both quite different. I mean, uh, Giovanni, you came from uh, a stint working in the Aprilia factory, then working for the Aprilia factory team, and now you've came here. Can you tell us just a little bit about how, you, how you've come here to this point? Uh, yeah, I started in Aprilia as a vehicle designer, <clears throat> chassis, swimming arm, fuel tanks, all the, all what is not electronic and engine. Engine. <clears throat> I start from that. From there, I start as a designer, then a designer and uh, uh, stiffness calculation of the parts, and start to do some simulation. From that, uh, they asked me to start to do some experience in the track. I say, okay, I start from the European, the Italian Championship, European Championship. Superbike and then MotoGP as a vehicle engineer. A vehicle and performance, especially when I arrived to MotoGP from 2016, I was a performance and vehicle engineer. What exactly are you doing then? You're looking at the data and seeing what helps and what doesn't? I was the one that was the connection between the technical office and the, yeah. and the truck just for all the 
pieces material uh, when we have something new I was the one that uh, followed the job the test just to understand which is the the way of develop of the bike and also check all the data check the the, the numbers just to understand which was the best performance or the solution to improve the performance from that uh, I moved to, to to the test team as a crew chief and coordinator of the test team this was in 2021 with uh, Dovizioso and when uh, Maverick joined us, they asked me, okay, now you move with Maverick. I come back to the World Championship. It was the uh, middle of 2021. I was the crew chief of Maverick until the end of uh, last year. And then I moved to, to RNF with Miguel. Interesting path. And no way, I guess you're, you kind of, as David said, you've been working with Raul in the past when yeah. he was in the junior categories. You had some great experience with Aki's team in, in, yes. in Model 3 and Model 2. Yeah, both. And then I think Raslan, he <laughs> saw what you were doing, he liked what you were doing, and he recruited you last year, maybe in a way to try and get Raul to come here eventually. I mean, can you tell us a little bit about your career as well? Yeah, uh, yeah. Was many of these last years, a lot of years I have been with Aki, you know, uh, from Moto3, Moto2, this. Obviously, step by step, I was growing. Aki trusted me a lot, so I could make some good professional steps, uh, becoming important in the team. Um, then we joined with Raul, which we had an incredible season. And yes, as you said, Raslan, obviously, he wanted Raul because he's a really nice guy, but also he's a really good rider. And he was wishing to have him on his lineup uh, last year in Yamaha. And yes, uh, I was lucky that he trusted trust on me especially, and, and he gave me the choices to, to join his, his team to try to, to at least have me. And then in the future, maybe if we can put his, his team that he wanted to have, uh, which has happened this year, uh, to be enjoying with him together in MotoGP class. Yes, yes, it's true. Giovanni, um, the switch from working in the factory to the race team is a totally different life choice. Yeah. You go from, I know it's not nine to five, but you're going in in the morning and it's, uh, at the end of the day you go home and you see your wife and your, uh, and your child mm -hmm. to being away a lot, traveling a lot, always being... Why, why did you make, want to make the switch to, to racing? Uh, I I understood that was something that uh, I I like when I start to do. Just at the beginning, I was still a designer, and uh, I did a few races in the Italian Championship, a World Championship of World Superbike. Means that was only eight to ten weekends in a year mm -hmm. that you manage. Then from that, uh, I start to grow as a track technician, and I discovered that it was something that uh, I did quite good. Mm -hmm. I said, mm, okay, could be could be interesting. In the same time, I always thought that it was for how I, I am, it was difficult for me to stay all the days, always in the same place. Yeah, yeah. And this helped me to uh, go out from this uh, situation. Mm. And uh, sincerely for me now, it's difficult to think that I could come back and stay always in the office. Uh, it's something that... Uh, <laughs> Maybe like uh, maybe yeah. I, I don't want to do a life like this until I, I finish my experience, but uh, for now it is what I want to do. And Noe, I mean, can you talk a little bit about the jump up from working on the Model 2 machine to Model GP? Obviously, 
MotoGP is so much more sophisticated and there's a lot more things to, to think about. I mean, can you tell us about that? Yeah, yeah. When I had really on the table the offer to arrive to MotoGP, my hand was completely shaking because when you are almost, it's your dream, obviously, no, to arrive to MotoGP, but when you are already there to sign that you will be the responsible for this bike, you need to really be sure that you, you are able to do that, to be on the level. And yeah, comparing to Moto2, Moto2 is a good bike, I think, it's a very good bike for everyone, I mean, and for riders and also for, for technicians to understand a heavy bike, how it works, the tire management, these kind of things. But especially MotoGP, there is a lot of electronics, which uh, is in another world. So uh, for me, it was quite demanding at the beginning just to realize and understand all the electronics we have around, which it's much more important that that sometimes uh, change the shock on the rear. So um, yeah, just to understand that was quite demanding. I spent a lot of hours just to every single change to understand what, uh, what is happening on the things. But yeah, it's a huge step, especially for electronics. Tire management could be quite acceptable because finally in the Moto2 you have also this but yeah uh, MotoGP is really really demanding uh, it's really nice it's obviously a dream for everyone sometimes we forget about this uh, <laughs> but uh, we are on one of the 22 crew chief in the world championship so we should be proud of it sometimes we forget but it's true that we have a really big responsibility on that yeah. I guess a lot of your job uh, this is a question to both of you is about making sure everybody in the team knows exactly what they're supposed to do. I mean, that must take a lot of preparation before we start the on-track action on a, on a Friday morning. Can you tell us a little bit about how you prepare for P1? Obviously, you already, already know tire combinations, you already know what gearing you're going to be using. You've done all this preparation before P1 starts. Giovanni? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, you start to think about the weekend, as we said before, just weeks before the event. Uh, in part, uh, you use uh, the experience that you uh, create uh, race by race, week by week, uh, also knowing the team which you are working. Obviously, at, uh, especially for me this year, that I start with a completely new team with some British guys, some uh, that, that you have also the language that you have to manage. And it's not like last year, I always spoke Italian with all my colleagues. This year, never. So now your English is much better as well. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> and I always say to my colleagues, please correct me when I do a big mistake. If it's small, please, not necessary, but if it's big, could help me. <laughs> no, and um, yeah, you, I share my talks with uh, the, the guys that work direct, direct with me, with uh, Andy, that uh, he's my electronic guys. I have Matteo, that is the suspension technician, also with the, the performance department of operator racing, just to share the, the, the situation, the characteristic of the track and what could be necessary, and also checking what happens the previous years in the same track. Speaking about tires, uh, gearbox, uh, uh, rider comments, uh, and problems, solutions, kind of, that kind of things. And then uh, just to try to be as much as possible clear and uh, with the right organization of the job just to that all the guys the mechanics and so on knows what uh, you want to do just to start which could be the scenario the options during the session during the day and the targets 
Absolutely. And Noe, is it a similar thing for you? Yeah, yeah. very similar. Finally, the preparation of pre-event is, is like this. Maybe it were organized differently, but um, for example, I take first, uh, for me, the, the main thing is just to analyze properly the tires, what we expect, what, what is happening, what will happen, temperatures, because it's really important for tires, but also the weak points of the previous GP we had on the bike, how to analyze to uh, improve them just for the next, and also, uh, as he said, the previous uh, experience that you had in, in this circuit, uh, don't take this idea for this. Uh, yeah, it, it takes, well, electronics also on the side. Um, we have Danny on my side, which uh, we are together always analyzing what we can do. Also, the, the torque uh, used on this track is different, for example, for Mugello. So you need to be precise in every single part, just uh, like a list. Uh, checking everything just to be in advance, as he said, oh, many scenarios that can happen, but you need to be in advance, uh, like drain, it's basic also. Every, you, you take care of it, every, every single place. You make a good point, Noe, about the torque, uh, torque requirements here being a bit different to Magello. <laughs> yeah. it, it's such a huge contrast from a big, long, incredibly fast track to a tight, tight track. Uh, where really it just comes down to who can make the rear tire last the longest. Um, what's is this the biggest change? In, is this the biggest change in setup? And how do you change in your minds to go from okay, we were at this crazy fast track, and now we're at this really tight track? Well, this is the job of uh, obviously the rider. No? They need to change, swap uh, immediately the mentality because now we come from uh, Mugello and now this tiny, small <laughs> track uh, is completely different. Also, imagine in that track we had the gearbox, which was really, really long because, uh, because of fast speeds. So you are using all the power of the bike. Uh, yeah. If you do 370 kilometers an hour here, you end up in Berlin. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's the, the understanding in prayer and GP is very important, but it's more related to the riders to uh, to understand and to manage this situation on the bike than, than us. We know exactly on the numbers, uh, we can see on the screen and the lines and this, but finally who is on the bike on the track is right, okay, you need to buy a scheme, just uh, this is this, but they know clearly because by, uh, year by year they are, they understand this, this thing, so, yeah. Do you change the bike a lot between Mugello and Saxon Ring, or is it still the same base up, Joe? These are secrets. No, <laughs> I'm joking. No, normally, not because it was Mugello and this is Saxon Ring, but generally, I like to give to the rider one bike that is his reference. Yeah. It's the one that he finished the previous race or close to that. Yeah. And another one, if we think that uh, it makes sense, we prepare a proposal. Just yeah, to, yeah, yeah. Just to, to so check. FP1, uh, you go out with a bike very close to the one which which he got off at the last race, yeah. and then another one which is slightly different, which might work better in a, a, exactly. a, a considering a as I said as I said before that you see what you did in the previous years in yeah. the same circuit, the comments on you say okay, I think that this could be a solution, just to just to to take the uh, understand the, the direction with this format you have no time yeah means that in fp1 you have to do the best job as possible to understand which is the direction yeah to take with the bike and you can't wait for fp2 for that you have to know straight away you will like to <laughs> 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 you cannot say yeah uh, every time i finish fp1 that they have a clear idea of what i need no yeah <laughs> you can change even in warm-up warm-up yeah. sometimes you change yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, that, uh, yeah if you change something in warm-up means that you are really 
in, in, in trouble. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> a little bit late, a little bit late. But it happens. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. you say, oh, you say, yeah, we did a good sprint race, but we, we would like to do more. We try and sprint the warm up. If he likes, we keep. If not, we have the the bike of the sprint race. It's something that you cannot, you can never stop <laughs> to try something on the bike because you have no time and you have a thousand of things that you can do on the bike. Mm -hmm. Does the bike change a lot between the sprint race and the main race, or is it just a little bit no, of, uh, no. more or less the same? Bigger fuel tank. Yeah. Remember yeah. to put the right fuel tank in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now the biggest difficult thing is. Uh, the uh, the tire management yeah. with this uh, format because you have one session less yeah. and uh, you have to push like an L every every run yeah. just to try to stay on the first 10 positions guys i just have one more question for you both um it's about your expectations for the next two races uh giovanni obviously miguel is still making a comeback from the shoulder injury that he sustained at Jerez. Uh, left shoulder injury, this is an anti-clockwise track with a lot of left corners. Maybe this weekend could be could be tough physically for, for Miguel. How do you see it? Yeah, for sure it will be tough. Maybe not as Mugello because he's improving day by day. It's not a matter of pain, it's more a matter of uh, force. Because uh, staying uh, with uh, an arm blocked for one month, uh, he didn't train a lot. And this is the most uh, difficult thing. And in a track where on the 13 corners, there are 10 on the left, uh, will be something to, to, to manage. But uh, my expectation or my targets are, are always to try to find the solution to do our best. And with this kind of rider, I know that the, our best is a really good result every weekend. Could be a really good result every weekend. We saw in Portimao, we saw in Jerez, we saw in Austin that the potential of bike and riders are really good. And we know that we are not uh, on the, the rider doesn't know perfectly the bike and the bike is still not perfect for the rider. We are still working on it. But the, the, the target, as I said, is to try to, to stay as in front as possible. Okay. Noe, what about uh, you? Obviously, Raul coming back from his arm pump surgery. Um, had a complicated weekend in Mugello. How do you see this race? Yeah, uh, about the uh, arm surgery uh, for us is always done. It's, for, it's, it's part of the past for us, so uh, we forget about the arm. But yes, yeah, true that in uh, Mugello he had two big crashes uh, on Saturday we, uh, that we paid a lot on the races. He was uh, suffering a lot of pain on the neck and also on the head. He was sick on the bike. He was vomiting also, so it was a tough weekend for him, but uh, this time we, we we feel that he's improving by day by day, he's recovering, so we, we hope we can be growing again and be close and close to the, 10, the top 10, and hopefully his body is 100% or 120%. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, let's, uh, let's hope for the best guys. So uh, that wraps up this episode of RNF Unlocked. We've heard it from the crew chiefs themselves and we hope this has been and offered some good insights about the team. Uh, fingers crossed for a great weekend, guys, for the Crypto Data RNF MotoGP team in Germany. And thank you very much for joining us. Thank you very much, Giovanni, for joining us. Thank you to you, thank you very much. And thank you also to you, Noe. Thank you, it has been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure as well for us as well. So we'll return next week with the final run before the summer break with more exclusive chat uh, with the team. So, see you soon. Subscribe for more episodes and please comment here on what you would like to hear about the team in the next episodes of RNF Unlocked.